it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, graveling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up things. Their 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 faces like twitching. Bigfoot Society. This is your host, Jeremiah Byron. Every week I talk to different people in the cryptozoology field. You never know who's going to be on next week. If you'd like to sponsor the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. You get access to a ton of things there, including a close-knit cryptid community on Discord where you can connect with like-minded cryptid researchers and enthusiasts, weekly bonus content, the ability to hang out with each week's guest after the main show, exclusive merch, and much, much more. In this episode, we get to talk to new friend Emily Floor from The Forest Floor. This has been one of my most requested episodes to happen, and we're finally able to get Emily on the podcast. Had a great conversation about what she believes Bigfoot is, and it gets pretty deep, and I'm glad that I had her on. Enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax. And thanks for listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. All right, Bigfoot Society, thanks for coming back for another episode. We've got Emily Fleur here from the Forest Fleur. How's it? How's it going, Emily? It's great. I am so excited to be here. As I was saying before, we haven't talked in a while, so I can't wait to catch up. Totally, totally. Uh, so believe it or not, and. Um, you are the most requested person to come on this podcast. I'm not even kidding. And I'm including like people like think of everyone. Think of Bobo. Think of Cliff. Like everyone has been like, you got to get Emily on. That would be fun. And I'm like, I'm trying. She's busy. She's out in the she's out in the wild. So, you know, oh, how that, well, is, that so. means a lot. I really I really appreciate that. And yes, I have been crazy busy, but finally things have calm down a little bit so i'm really excited to be here oh for sure for sure i and i'm happy to have you here most people will know you from uh your uh bigfoot research uh under the guys the name the uh forest floor and your stuff i'm just going to talk about it for a few minutes if that's okay but like so and i hope i don't make some enemies from this statement it listeners you know, just be cool with it. But um, your website is probably one of the best resources for Bigfoot information and Bigfooting and how to with a close second being squash detective <laughs> uh, for, you know, for different reasons. But like it is so good. Uh, your website, the forest floor, uh, it is great. You've got videos on there about, you know, your expeditions that you're doing in different parts of the U.S. Uh, gear you can get. You know, you've given me some great advice as I get ready for my first Bigfoot expedition with Tate. 
uh, coming up in July and you had some amazing uh, uh, recommendations. And of course, you know, you've got your, uh, your great uh, gear. Uh, of course I'm wearing, you know, one of the hats, which is awesome. <laughs> when I, when anyone thinks Bigfoot beanie, it's, you know, Forrest Fleur and you've got yeah. some really good uh, gear, you know, measuring that you've got a measuring tape, you've got a, a casting bucket, uh, you've got your uh, marking flags, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm probably missing some, but those are the the top ones that come to mind. And you've got some really, really cool stuff. But what are some what other things do do you want people to think of when they hear, you know, Emily from the forest floor? What what are maybe some things that are important to set the stage with besides that information that I I threw out there? Well, first of all, thank you, Jeremiah. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the compliment. Um, I really wanted my website to be a place where people could come easily navigate. You know, I feel like in this in this field of study, you have people that know a little bit about it. You have people that research it every day, and then you have people that know nothing about it. So mm. I wanted to make sure that my website was a place where all of those people could come together and everybody could kind of take something away. So what I want people to really know is that no matter your background, you can come to the Forest Flair website and you can find something that you're interested in, right? I have a page all about evidence for those who might not know much about Bigfoot. They can go to that page. They can see what kind of evidence science has gathered. Um, and by science, I probably mean citizen scientists because science right. hasn't really recognized this um, phenomenon yet. But uh, I also have a research page and my research page is probably my personal favorite place uh, to go on my website because my research page is basically all of my theories compiled into one page. I research anything from can we mate with Bigfoot to, you know, how many, um, how many (laughs) species are there across the across the globe. And I talk about evolution. I talk about how Bigfoot fits into the mix. I talk about different Australopithecines and how they may connect to Bigfoot. I even Mm. talk about how Bigfoot connects to humans. There are humans that live very primitively. Doesn't mean that they're any less intelligent than us who live in big cities and have technology. Um, But are there similarities between Bigfoot and tribes of the Amazon? So it's, it's very interesting in my opinion, to research Bigfoot's origins. And many researchers will argue with me that origins are not important. We don't need them. Uh, We just have to focus on finding Bigfoot and looking for evidence. But I tend to really disagree. I think origins are the most important part of this search, because if you know what these things are, it's going to be easier to find them. So if you're interested in learning more about, you know, where Bigfoot fits into our evolutionary tree, that's where you're going to head to my research page. Awesome. Awesome. That, so that's a good point. You know, you got to know what you're looking for to find it or what, what it is. So let's, let's go right into, you know, the question that I usually, I'll I'll ask in most interviews is, so let's say someone comes up to you and like, okay, what is Bigfoot? Because you know, the answers to this question can be, very uh, across the spectrum but uh, yes what what is your answer to this 
That is a fabulous question. And I don't think people ask that enough. I think that everybody assumes that we all think this is the same thing. And that's just not the case. Some people believe Bigfoot's an alien. Some people believe it's uh, it, like a giant great ape, kind of like yeah. um, Gigantopithecus. I personally believe that Bigfoot is closer to the homo lineage than most researchers believe. I think that Bigfoot is probably an Australopithecine. It could possibly be a homo species, but I think when we're talking about what it is, the hardest thing to differentiate is how close it is to human. You know, what makes us human? Some scientists say it's mm. tool use. Some scientists say it's our complex thought process, right? Some say it's our language. So I think that we will have to discover Bigfoot to really know how close it is to human. However, we do have evidence that suggests that this species is very close to human. We have stories about language, you know, and when we look at some of their anatomical features, they line up with a species called Australopithecus sediba. Okay. And sediba fits on the family tree in a place where scientists kind of said, should we make this a homo or should we make it an Australopithecine? We're not really sure because it's so close to homo. So that's why I always connect Bigfoot to Australopithecus sediba. They have a lot of physical similarities and um, sediba's brain case basically possesses certain anatomical features that line up with our predecessors. And hmm. so when you look at the way that the human brain formed, it has a lot to do with the frontal lobes and the different sizes of the left and the right side of the brain. And that's kind of what gave us our complex intelligence. And Sediba actually had those predispositions in their anatomy. So if Sediba had evolved as long as we have and became Bigfoot, it would mean that Bigfoot is highly intelligent, just like our species, because it has that same anatomical feature that evolves the brain. And so that's why I think Bigfoot is probably an Australopithecine, very close to Australopithecus sediba. Wow. That's, that's, all, there, there's a lot there. I, I love it. Like, so the thing I love the most is like, you figured out what you believe and you really, really know it. And that is awesome. Have you found, uh, looking at Bigfoot evidence over the years that has been collected, have you found uh, anything um, or could you go more into, you know, maybe reports that would, that would uh, back up that, that Bigfoot could be like a very um, uh, like a, a smart uh, creature. Uh, you kind of mm -hmm. mentioned mm -hmm. uh, that there was some, some language um, reports. Uh, is that anything that you can share more about? We'll be right back. Hey, it's Pat Flynn here, host of the award-winning podcast, The Smart Passive Income Podcast, which was created to help you learn how to become an entrepreneur. And in the simplest way, too, you know, entrepreneurship can be very difficult. I like to simplify things. And I interview people like Josh Hall and Shane and Jocelyn Sams and Maria Fela. Who are they? Well, they're people just like you, people who have taken action after listening to the show and have built a business that has changed their lives. And I'd love to share an episode with you that I think will inspire you to get started, too. Check out the link in the description or go to smartpassiveincome.com slash 122 to get inspired, get what you need to get started, and change your life. You got this, and thank you. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I think when it comes to Bigfoot's origins, and I just want to make something clear. My theory is that it's close to Sediba, right? But okay. that could change a month from now. If somebody oh, totally. comes to me and presents different evidence or if some kind of video arises, whatever happens, right? Whatever we find, we have to make sure that we evolve our theories with that evidence. We can't marry our theories because then we'll go nowhere. Hmm. Um, but in terms of, of Bigfoot behavior, and linking that back to its intelligence. It's such a tricky thing because you have reports like Glenn Thomas, right? Glenn Thomas was uh, a man who witnessed Bigfoots multiple times. The first time he saw a family group on this big like rock ledge and the adult male was overturning rocks and looking for ground squirrels. He was sniffing the rocks and then piling them up. Okay. And then the female and the baby were kind of off to the side. And it seemed Glenn Thomas kind of reported that the baby was a little bit intimidated by the large male and that he was trying to stay away from him because every time he got close, the large male would kind of bark at him and kind of chew him away. And so there was this like funny dynamic that Glenn Thomas was observing where the male seemed to be very dominant and the female was almost protecting the young from the male. And that kind of says to me that that's a little more like great ape-like behavior. Mm. And then Glenn Thomas also observed two female Bigfoots in a field and he watched them for, I think it was somewhere around an hour. And these two females were just kind of picking, you know, shoots of grass and munching on them and chilling out. And one of them actually defecated in the river. And then they both just like kind of laid down, tucked all of their arms and legs into their chests and, fell asleep face down on the ground. Oh, wow. And so to me, that's very ape-like behavior too. It's just kind of more something that you would attribute to a great ape. But then you have these grand eyewitness stories like the Albert Osman account, right? Where he was exactly. kidnapped by a Sasquatch and held hostage with a family of Sasquatches who he heard talking to each other. Now, chimpanzees chatter at each other. Could he have been misinterpreting that as language? Possibly, um, but it did seem like he spent a lot of time with these animals and observed a lot of their behaviors. And he did say that they had some sort of language and that the, the older one was talking to the younger ones and the younger That's ones true. were chattering yeah. amongst themselves yep. and kind of pointing to his snuff box and his coffee and then talking to each other. So you have these mixed reports and, you know, we have modern day reports like that, too. We have reports of people in the woods hearing what they think sounds like young kids playing or talking to one another. And, you know, it's if they hear it, but it's just barely there and it's hard to make out. And then a few minutes later, a Sasquatch walks up or a couple of them, you know, come out of the, the, the woods. And, you know, these kind of reports are what make me think could this species be a little smarter than we think? Oh, Couple that with the fact that we haven't discovered them yet, I think says a lot and people will disagree with me. You know, people will say, okay, well, gorillas and chimpanzees are, are not easy to find. But I do think that there have been people that have gone out in the woods really looking for these, these animals, right? We had that expedition, Peter Byrne led, and yep. you know, they didn't really come up with much. They found tracks, but they were never able to catch up with the actual creatures. So that kind of tells me that they're masters of their environment. But I also think that they have to be pretty intelligent to completely avoid us altogether. Oh, man, that 
That is a great reminder of some awesome reports. You know, uh, listeners, if you if you if that was the first time uh, hearing those reports, do some more research and you know into those stories. They are just fantastic uh, stories to be reminded of. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I like to also find out. So, what is it that first got you into uh, into Bigfoot? Oh gosh. Well, you know, it's kind of a mixture of a few things. Uh, but mainly, um, I was I was young. I was probably in middle school, around twelve or thirteen years old, and I had been into like embroidery and sewing. I'm kind of like okay, an old okay. granny in that all sense. Right. Like I just That's love cool. all kinds of old stuff. So I was, yep. I was embroidering and I got into it and I said, okay, well, the best thing that relaxes me is to embroider while I watch a movie or a TV show. Sure. And so every time I would sit down to embroider, I would just like put something on. Right. So this was back in the day of like DVDs, right? There was no Netflix <laughs> yep, there was yep, no yep. Amazon prime. So I went over to my parents' DVD cabinet and I pulled out this like pack of horror films that my grandmother had gotten from the dollar store and bought for us. I'm not sure nice. like why she bought it, but it was just like this big pack of like horror films, vampires and all the old classics. And within this DVD pack, I'm scrolling through and I find um, The Legend of Bigfoot by Ivan Marks. And it's not even in like a DVD case. Wow. It's in like this paper sleeve. I'm like, oh, Bigfoot, that sounds cool. So I pop it in. I start watching it. Well, needless to say, I didn't embroider anything that day. I was glued to the TV. I was just like blown away. And obviously, you know, if you are into Bigfoot and you've been researching a long time, we know that Ivan Marks is a hoaxer. Right. And unfortunately, at the time, I didn't know that. You know, I don't think really a lot of people knew that at the time. Um, but I was just so enthralled with the concept of somebody dedicating time to go out in the woods and actually look for these, these animals. Mm. And I thought that was just really cool. And so I was immediately inspired. And then um, my grandparents got a house up in upstate New York. Oh, and my yeah. grandmother would go to all the local stores. She would make, she was a very friendly woman and she would make friends with all the people there. And so one time she had said to, to my parents, she said, you know, there's a, there's a town up here that's kind of all about Bigfoot. It's called Whitehall, New York, you know, yes. and I know Emily likes Bigfoot. You guys should check it out. And so my mom told me about it. I was so excited. I begged my parents again. I was like in middle school at this point. I'm like, can we please go up there? So we ended up taking a family trip up to Whitehall, New York. I mean, my, I've got a good family that I was able to convince them of that. And um, we basically met with a museum curator at the Skeensboro Museum. Whitehall is the birthplace of the U.S. Navy. So there's a lot of history okay. in the town. And so I went to the museum. It's not a Bigfoot museum. It's basically a Navy museum and history of Whitehall. But the curator told me all about Bigfoot. He pulled out wow. a map of New York and Vermont. He showed me where they're moving through, where they're passing through, and where people are seeing them. And I learned about the famous Whitehall sighting that involved law enforcement officers yeah. seeing a Bigfoot. And immediately after that trip, I was just so excited and fueled. And I just kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, this is my life's purpose. You know, it was just that feeling that you get. And so after that, you know, I went to graduated high school, went to college. I did all of my college reports on Bigfoot. Uh, my classmates really enjoyed it. And my professors even said, you know, you should turn this into something. And so that's how the forest blur was born. 
Awesome. And I mean, if you if you just take a few minutes to look at that website, I mean, you put a lot of thought into setting up. I mean, just the fact that you, you know, you uh, people that you partner with to make your items, it's all like sustainable uh, packaging. And like, you're really thinking about the environment. That's very important to you. And like, there's no one else that does that. And that's like, that's amazing. And I commend you for that. It's very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I started making the products and I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, the first products I made were, you know, from different places and they weren't sustainable. And then I thought, you know, I'm making souvenirs for people, but they're not benefiting Bigfoot in any way. So I thought if I made some sustainable products, it would really help their environment a lot. And it would really go along better with my mission of trying to protect these creatures and their environment. That It makes sense. It, it Everything that you, you know, it all, it all is married together. It's, it's, it's very smart. It's very smart. Um, one thing I've tried to to start doing uh, in my podcast is to get some really practical advice for listeners. Sure. And I was wondering, do you have any, uh, you know, let's say there's someone listening and they're like, I want to get into, uh, you know, going on, like looking for Bigfoot. Do you have any like really practical uh, advice that you might be able to, to pass on uh, in the podcast right now? Absolutely. I would say the first step would be to research in the books. That's how I started. And I think that it's a really beneficial thing to do um, because you really want to know the history of the subject. You want to know who has pioneered the field work, right? What didn't work for them, right? I mean, we don't, we mm. don't have, we don't have Bigfoot in our, you know, dictionary of, of known animals. So clearly right. Things that have been done in the past were not working. And I know that that's a little controversial to say, but I think that we really need to try new techniques. And researching old ones is, is how you're going to learn and grow in this field. So I would say the biggest tip that I have is pick up John Green's book. Um, I think it's called Sasquatch Bigfoot, something Sasquatch Bigfoot. Um, I always forget the name, but it's my absolute favorite book in this field of study. And I mean, Dr. Meldrum's book is great too, but I think John Green's book is the first thing you should get because it basically outlines the iconic encounters back in mm. the day. And what's important about this is this talks, this book talks about encounters from the sixties and seventies. And a lot of these encounters took place before the Patterson Gimlin film was even captured and released. And so what this tells us is that there were sightings going on before it became cool to have a Bigfoot sighting. And to learn about the behavior of the animals observed before the PG film was released is important because after that film was released, everybody wanted to see a Bigfoot and you started getting hoaxers and you started True. getting people lying and fabricating stories. So it's very important to focus on stories that happened before the Patterson Gimlin film was, was shot. And so I think that's a really good book to pick up. The next thing you want to do is you want to get out in the woods, right? You you don't have to go to a, a squatchy spot. You could just go to your local park, walk around, okay. listen to the birds, listen to the noises of the forest. I am not an expert. I'm not a hunter. I have not been an outdoorsman my whole life. So that is something that really helped me was to really just get to know the environment because I was not an outdoorsy person before I started researching Bigfoot. So I want to make sure that I know every noise, every 
crack of a branch, every leaf falling. I want to know what that sounds like so that when I am in a situation where I could potentially be near Bigfoots, I know how to differentiate what's nature from what's a Sasquatch. And that's really go. important. So I would say that's step number two. And then step number three is grab a buddy and get out to an area that has had re repeated sightings. Um, you know, it's good to do that. If you don't live near an area with sightings, go to an area with good habitat, you know, okay. deer and small mammals and uh, water yeah. sources, right? That's a great, great place to be. And although there may not, may not have been recorded sightings there, people could have seen them and just not reported it. So I would say that's like the best way that I would start. And that's kind of how I have done it. And if you can try to learn from other researchers, I think that that's always mm. fabulous to just have a mentor, get involved with somebody who's been doing this for years, see what worked for them, see what didn't, you know, and just kind of ask for their advice. I think that's really important. That's some fantastic advice. I do want to point out. So uh, John Green has a lot of really good books. One of them would be uh, uh, Ape, The Apes Among Us uh, is, is a really good one. Um, so right now, uh, I've got uh, uh, actually more than a few uh, Patreon members watching this live and they're like, they're all about it. They're ordering books already. They're, they're throwing thriftbooks.com links for John Green mm -hmm. stuff. I love uh, the people in the Patreon, uh, the Patreon members, supporters, you guys rock and you are all about it. Um, but that was some solid advice. And there's even more advice mm -hmm. uh, if you go on the forestfloor.com. So definitely check that out. It'll be in the show notes. I'll have all the links but thank you for that advice, uh, Emily. Um, you kind of, you mentioned as well, you know, you're, you're, uh, it's important to partner with other researchers. And one of the really cool things uh, that you've done with uh, the forest floor is that you've partnered with people like uh, Connor, uh, Levi, uh, Eli, and um, uh, Peter Byrne and uh, Paul Parth Bartholomew, correct? Yes. Yes. So when I started the Forest Flirt, it was just me solo. Yep. Right. But then as I, I started progressing in my research and started, you know, doing more with the subject, I realized that being in New York, you know, when I first started this, I was right out of college. I wasn't making a lot of money. I wasn't really able to travel and explore new places. And so I said, I, I think it's really important to have a team of mm. people that live all different places that can offer a perspective on the Bigfoots in their area. Maybe Connor is out in Oregon and mm -hmm. he's having luck with call blasting. And maybe Eli in California is having luck with just staying quiet in the woods. And Levi is maybe having luck with going out during a certain time of the year. Exactly. And so I really wanted to make sure that I assembled a, a small team of researchers. And so through my podcasts, I met all three guys and I just absolutely adored them from the minute I met them. They were all so well-spoken and intelligent. And so one by one, I called them up. I said, would you be willing to become uh, kind of a team member for the Forest Fleur? And they said, absolutely. And it just nice. so happened that it was during the pandemic. So 
we started doing um, video calls every week where we would collaborate and we would talk about things going on in the in the field. We would read excerpts from John Green's books and Grover Krantz books, and we would all talk about it and have these really in-depth discussions. And it was just such an amazing experience. And these guys are some of my best friends now. So I'm just so glad that I that I recruited them. And then in terms of Paul and Peter, um, they yeah. have just been excellent mentors. I reached out to both of them and just asked them, you know, I'm new at this. I want to know how you pioneered this field because both of them are real pioneers. Paul Bartholomew um, yeah. completely like, I mean, he has just taken the East Coast and really ran with it. He has collected so many reports and documented Native American stories and especially on the East Coast, you don't have a lot of information about Bigfoot. So Paul has really pioneered um, this coast in terms of, of research. And Peter Byrne, I mean, I, I mean, think it, it goes without saying yeah. that he's a legend. So it's, yeah. it's wonderful to study underneath him. So I've been having, I mean, at one time I was having like weekly calls with Peter Byrne and I just could, I was pitching it's myself. Wild. I couldn't believe it was it's real wild. life. <laughs> um, your interview uh, the interviews, I want to say multiple, right? Uh, there's multiple episodes you've done with Peter. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, oh, I can't remember, but uh, man, they are, I think that's your, your favorite, uh, my favorite episodes of your, your podcast. It, it's just like being able to listen to talk, uh, you talk to Peter Byrne is so good. Like, mm -hmm. and he talks about some really cool stuff. Like if, if listeners have not heard, uh, Emily's episodes with Peter Byrne, you know, definitely check them out, listen to them all. They're all like the, the thing that I enjoy about, you know, the Forest Flirt podcast is that you are having people on there that, you know, I know if I listen to this episode, I'm going to learn something substantial mm -hmm. and it's going to be worth my time. And you were having some quality uh, Bigfoot researchers on there. So hats off to you. Thank uh, you. It's very, very cool. Um, it wasn't easy getting them all to agree to come on, but <laughs> that's the thing. Cause I was like the first time I was like, Oh, Emily got Peter Byrne. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. which was, it's me being like, you know, like, I'm so glad my friend got it, but I'm also like, come on, how in the world did you get Peter Byrne? You know what, how I get, it was not easy. Like, I had to email you do him it? quite a few times. I, yeah. I emailed him. I ended up saying, you know, can we just have a call? And he said to me, well, he said, I'm not coming on your podcast until you order my book and read it. And I said, okay. I mean, that's ha! fair. That's fair. It is fair. I've had so, people say to me, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm exactly. cool with that. He's yeah. not like that. So I ordered his book and yep. I ordered it directly from him. So he shipped me a signed copy, which was like, oh, oh my God. Wow. And I, that's read, cool. I read through it. And I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't actually finish it by the time that I talked to him because he you know, called me up the next week and was like, okay, have you read the book? I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even get to the first like two <laughs> chapters. And so I had him on and um, finally he agreed to come on. And then after that, we just became good friends and I check in on him here and there. I just spoke with uh, his wife yesterday. So he's just, oh, wow. he's a great guy. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he's just somebody that is important to learn from because he really did pioneer the field at that time. And he even mm -hmm. admits like there was very little known about Bigfooting. Like I asked him one time, I said, you know, you did this for all these years. Why do you only have one footprint cast? And he said to me, he goes, Emily, honestly, he said back then, we just didn't think to cast things. It wow. wasn't, it wasn't the norm back then. Yeah. You just looked at the footprint. 
it. You maybe touched it and kind of, you know, Whatevs. looked around and then that was it. He said, so it was only later on in his research that other individuals that were part of the expeditions were saying, hey, we should cast this. Oh, so I man. found that very interesting. And I think that that's just something that we can learn from um, mm. in terms of like how to become better researchers. You know, documenting evidence is is a huge one. So it's been it's been great to learn from him. And um, I'm happy to pass on his contact if you want to try and have him on the show. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask, but I'm pretty happy you offered. So I didn't want to be like, hey, you know that really cool guy you get to talk to whenever you want? How about I have his info? And like, if you're going to offer it, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's let's rock no, out with I'm Peter Burns. Honestly, like some people in this field just get so competitive and they want to have all these people on their show and not share. And I've experienced that. Like I've asked people for contacts and they'll oh yeah i'll oh, get it to you and they never do it's so, not fun it's not like that i mean no. if some if people listen to your show and they maybe don't know about my show and they're able to learn from peter burn through you that's exactly. great i mean i'm not trying to like take credit here i want everyone to learn through all different avenues so if you have them on your show and you're able to educate your listeners that makes me happy there you go it's all about collaboration and that's how uh i mean Get one of Emily's get I'm literally wearing one of Emily's hats right now from the forest floor. It's really cool. It's gonna I'm gonna it's gonna help me in the woods because it's orange. It'll help me be safe. Um let's jump. I want to ask you, what is the closest Bigfoot encounter or the encounter where you're like, oh man, this is real? Like, is there one that stands out like when you were maybe out in Oregon or or something like that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I've only had a few different encounters with Bigfoot. My first one was in New York in 2017. Okay. I just like, I was, I was, I was on vacation with my ex-boyfriend mm. and I talk about him because we're friends till this day. He always, you know, helped me out with, with the forest floor and stuff. So gotcha. we were on vacation and we were in Lake George and we were just, Oh yeah hiking you know and my ex-boyfriend like if he ever sees this he'll laugh because he knows he's like this he was always late to everything and he just could never get his stuff together and we still joke about it till this day so what had happened was um he woke up late you know i had been up the whole day like ready to go we're on vacation you know totally. i'm an early riser i'm like ready to take on the day and you know he was kind of lollygagging around okay well three o'clock rolls around he says hey let's go on a hike and I said, well, it's not really a good idea to go on a hike at three o'clock. This was in early May. Oh, so yeah. it gets dark pretty, pretty early. I said, I don't think that's really a good idea. Well, you know, he ended up convincing me to go. So we go to up to Prospect Mountain in Lake George. And mm. this is a place that's like super touristy okay, um, yeah, during, yeah, yeah. during the summer. But like on the off season, there's rarely anyone there. So, of course, we were pretty much the only ones on the trail. We get up to the top. We watch the sunset. Oh, pretty. Let's take pictures. OK, well, now it's time to get back down the trail. And it's six o'clock at night. And now it's getting Ooh. almost pitch black so quickly. And I'm starting to get really nervous. And I said to him, you know, there's bears here. There could be Sasquatches. Like, I don't want to go on the, the trail back down. Let's take the road. There was a, a closed off road, okay. you know, open during the, the summer season, but it was closed at this time. And so I said, let's walk the road. Okay. So we're walking the road. And I don't know if any, any of the listeners have ever seen the SpongeBob episode with the pizza <laughs> where Squidward and SpongeBob are with the, the Krusty Krab pizza. And they're just walking the road and walking the road and it's taking them like days, days. That's exactly what it's, <laughs> it felt like. That's and, amazing. 
Oh, it's crazy. And I was the Squidward and he was the SpongeBob because I'm all stressed out about oh, getting back yeah, 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 yeah. dark. And he's like, oh, who cares? What and, is? So, and so, you know, I was like cracking up. So we're, we're walking down the road and I said, well, you know what? I got to take my mind off my fears of bears. Let me practice okay. my Sasquatch calls. And the reason that there I thought go. this was not to attract a Sasquatch. It was because I just wanted to practice. And I thought, well, I'm in New York. You know, there's probably no Bigfoots up here. Like, let me just try it. Well, I started calling. And then I said to my ex, I said, you know, you try, you try. So he starts calling. And now we're both just doing Bigfoot calls. Right. Well, what do you know? We start getting an answer. And we start Ooh. hearing, over and over again and it starts getting closer and closer and closer well i was just getting real terrified at that point and we sprinted down the road we were both so scared and we made it out of there thank god but that was the first time that i really thought hmm like could this really be something like you know i always believed in bigfoot but i just you know it doesn't become real until you experience something yourself mm. And so, you know, after that, I kind of just wrote off the experience and years passed. And fast forward to a couple of months ago, I spent yeah. three months out in Oregon. So cool. And I was studying under researchers, Connor Anderson and um, Keith and Cliff and, and everybody out there. And so it was a, an incredible experience to be out there. And, you know, again, at this point, going out there, I knew, okay, well, there really are Bigfoots here in Oregon. So let me see if anything happens, right? But I wasn't getting my hopes up because, you know, th this is not like going out and finding a bear. You know, these right. things are very rare. So it's very, very rare that you're going to experience something. While we were driving the roads at night, it was about uh, 1030 at night, and we we're driving logging roads through Mount Hood National Forest. Oh, man. And oh God, it's if nobody, if anybody's ever been out there, you'll know it's like Jurassic Park. It That's is just, what I hear. Yeah. Oh, it gives you chills at night. I mean, you oh, just see man. these colorful plants coming into the headlights and it's just the most incredible experience. Well, we're driving and Keith um, had said, let's stop the truck. I just have this feeling that we should stop the truck no and way. listen. Okay. So we stopped the truck. He's got this big diesel truck. We stopped the truck and there were no cars parked anywhere. I mean, this was like off season. Nobody's there. You know, nobody was there. So we stopped the truck and we hear nothing. And so I said to Connor, I said, you know, you're so good at, at Ohio house. You should get out and do one. So he's like, oh, he's like, I don't want to get out of the car. I'm like, get out of the car and do one. Come on, Connor, go do an Ohio Yeah, I'm like, come on. Come I'm on. only, you know, it's like my first, one of my first times out. I'm like, come on, try <laughs> So he gets out of the truck and he does a howl. Okay. And Keith and I are sitting in the truck. We're joking around with each other. We're laughing. Yeah. Keith's making jokes. All of a sudden, Connor's like, guys, shut up. We're like, what? Oh, man. He's He gets all nervous. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, I hear something. Get out of the truck now. Oh, no. it, it was like, oh, my God. It all happened so fast. So we all race out of the truck. We shut the doors. We put the, the audio recorder on the yeah. truck. We yeah, yeah, had yeah. the... um. What is it called? Um, parabolic. We had the parabolic okay. in the back seat. Okay. And we were just all rushing so fast. We didn't even think to grab it. So we only have oh, it recorded yeah, yeah. on like a basic audio recorder, which better does, than nothing. doesn't know what helps us. Right. Better than nothing. And all of a sudden we hear a, an Ohio howl back. And, you know, you could tell that it, yeah. it wasn't like right there, but it, it was, it was close enough that you could definitely tell it was, it was down by a lake that we were driving by. Wow. And, oh, my God, we all just looked at each other like, oh, my God. Then we hear one from behind us. 
And it so kinda, you heard two different ones? Two different ones. So we hear oh, one from the boy. north of us down by the lake. Then we hear one from the south of us. And we hear, you know, Woo! like that kind of high pitched, right? So we hear one high pitched. Then we hear one high pitched behind us. So we're all looking at each other. Then from down by the creek, this one was close this time. We hear a low pitched one. And so at that point we knew, okay, like we're not kidding around here. These things are here. Wow. And man, it was incredible. I thought I was going to be scared, but to be honest with you, Jeremiah, I, I just felt like a scientist. Mm. And that was when I really thought to myself, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm sure a lot of people have felt like this, you know, I mean, of course it's scary when you have some kind of encounter, but when you really feel like, wow, I just experienced a real animal that's out Mm. in this woods. And when I say animal, I mean, I don't want to take away, like some people hear the word animal and they think, you know, they think not intelligent, but we're animals too. That's just how I view it. And so to hear this in the woods really validated my Lake George experience Yeah. because at that time, you know, I heard the same exact thing, that high pitched. And so I kind of connected it and said, Oh my God, you know, these things are all across the country. And that's kind of what like did it for me because you hear about Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest, but you know, you hear encounters out East, but it's almost just hard for you to believe it, especially growing up in New York and especially growing up right outside of New York City. Like I wasn't really exposed to Bigfoot in this state until I really started doing more research on it. And after my experience in Oregon, it really solidified my belief in Bigfoot in this state. And so it's, it's been a really cool experience. And I would say that was my most definitive um, encounter. Although when I was out in Oregon, I did possibly see a Sasquatch at night. Uh, But I don't really say that's my most compelling encounter because I'm not sure if it was one. Um, I was at a really big hot spot. We were hearing some crazy howls and noises and I saw something large and black and human shaped pass between two trees. Oh man. Yeah. But I, I just can't say for sure. It could have been the shadows, the lighting. It could have, I just can't say for sure. So I would say the howls are my, my favorite experience. Oh, that is an amazing story. And it's, uh, that's, retold uh in your uh video series on your website too as well right yeah if you want to see more they can yeah in the entire thing i filmed the whole thing so i have all Mm. that footage um on my undiscovered page on my website so you can hear the the vocalizations they're better heard with headphones but you could definitely take a listen oh man that and that's one of the coolest things is that is that you made that video series like available to to anyone um you know, to, who wants to go on your website and watch it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's out there for anyone, you know, go check it out. Forestfloor.com for sure. Uh, I definitely have some more coming too. So oh, I'm pumped. I used to be in the, the forest floor Patreon back in the yes. day. And oh then, you know, I, I get it. Like this is, this is how your research is going to get to the masses and yeah. it's a smart move. So yeah, hats it's, off it's, to you. Honestly, it was it was getting a little difficult to keep up with um, yep. on my end, only because I was taking on so many more projects and 
you know, life, life things were going on and personal things. And so I said, you know what, I just want to release this to everybody. Um, eventually one day I would love to have something, you know, again, where maybe people are getting together for some kind of very small conference oh, or cool. yeah, something yeah, yeah. along those lines. But, yeah. um, but as of now, I just, I, I just released everything to the public. I said, you know what, I want everyone to know my stories because experiencing it myself was incredible and not everybody gets that opportunity, you know? So I wanted everybody exactly. to be able to kind of experience exactly. it with me. As we get near, you know, we're getting near the end of the hour. Um, is there anything you can share about your current and maybe future plans to do with, with researching Bigfoot? Sure. All right. So after my time in Oregon, I kind of reevaluated my mission. Sure. There's a lot of directions. There are many directions you can go in this field. You could mm -hmm. um, research in the books. You could be a field researcher. Uh, you can make it your goal to collect footprints. You could make it your goal to film one. I, I mean, none of those are wrong. None of those are right, right? It's just up right. to you what you want to do as a researcher. But personally, I kind of thought to myself, you know, what happens when Bigfoot is discovered? I started running, mm. running through that vision in my head. Mm -hmm. Let's say some, you know, horrible person who wants a game trophy, not to say that hunting is wrong or anything, but let's say somebody wants to go out and shoot a Sasquatch so they can have it taxidermed and put in their living room, right? Because right. there are yeah. people like that. Oh, I know. Yeah. If, if that person shoots one and that's how the species is discovered, the way that it's presented to the public is going to be very wrong. Yep. That person's going to get on TV. They're going to want all the credit. They're going to mm -hmm. talk only about themselves. I found Bigfoot. This is how I took it down. You know, yeah. we're stronger than them. This is a huge monster. They need to be killed. People right. are going to get on TV and present it that way. And that's what the news is going to blast out. And that's going to cause a mass hysteria. People are going to go out trying to shoot these things. And the species may be eradicated before we can help save them. Ugh, terrible, and but true. It is very true. So I've been doing a lot of uh, research into Dr. Jane Goodall's work. Oh, sure. Because I wanted to see if maybe I could parallel some of her techniques and some of her mission, right? Because her mission is to protect the chimpanzees and their habitat. And so I thought, you know, that's something that I would really like to do here in the U.S. for Bigfoot. But firstly, we have to prove they exist. And so uh, if somebody like you or I discover Bigfoot, and then we present that to the public, it's going to be a very different message than somebody who wants to just go out and kill one. Exactly. And so my new plan is to gather as much evidence as possible. I am relocating to an area with a lot of sightings and reports, and I am going to basically work that area over and over again to try and film a Sasquatch to try and gather footprint evidence, any kind of evidence that I can get of a Sasquatch. I'm that is my new mission is to gather as much evidence as possible. Awesome. And what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to work with all different people from all different industries to formulate a plan. How can we protect this species, right? Because Bigfoot may have a language and they may be smart, but they don't know what a territory is. They don't know whether they're you know, property line is up or not. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like we're going to just say, okay, this is where you live and this is where we live, right? We we have to kind of, we have to come up with laws around 
where they are. So we have to come up with laws for humans, right? Don't shoot one. You know, if you see one back away, here's how to handle the situation. And so what I'm trying to do is kind of put together a plan so that when this species is discovered, we can present it to the public in a way that's educational. It's Mm -hmm. not going to scare them and freak them out. And it's going to inspire them to treat the species like it would, you know, any other ape, right? You know, when we discover gorillas or chimpanzees, right? Jane Goodall, she, not that she discovered chimpanzees, but she did discover a lot of behaviors that nobody knew about at the time. We knew very little about chimpanzees before Jane started, you know, researching. And so what she did was she, she learned everything that she could about this species. And then she presented that to the public and said, Hey, this is, these things are close to our species. They have a, a, a sort of language. They use tools, you know, they have a social structure. They have feelings just like we do. And so this is why you should protect their environment and here's how to do it. And so that's kind of my new mission is, you know, learn about Sasquatch, learn about what they are, how they behave, get some kind of documentation going on, you know, maybe hopefully I'm praying that I'll be able to observe them out in the wild. I know it's a, you know, huge undertaking, but if we can observe at least two hours of their behavior, we can learn so much. And then we can present that to the public and say, here's how they are behaving. Here's what they likely are. And here's how we can protect them. And I don't think there are many people doing that. And I think that it definitely needs to be a group effort um, amongst the Sasquatch community. So oh, yeah. if I ever find anything, I'll definitely uh, hit you up for some ideas. <laughs> Total, well, I'd be all about that. And, and so that's the thing is, I think now is the right time to do it. I mean, if you look at, you know, you've got the the UFO alien disclosure movement and the public is so primed. They're like, give us the truth. Give us the knowledge. We can handle it like more than any other point in history. And like, I think they're ready, like to do the same thing with Bigfoot. But the thing is, like you mentioned, is that there has to be an effort where people are, you know, you're preparing for when this eventually will happen, you know, you will be uh, at the forefront, you know, making sure that, you know, Sasquatch is, is handled the right way. And, and, you know, not just, uh, ugh, can you imagine like a trophy Sasquatch on a bar somewhere in Maine? Yeah, I love Maine, I mean, but you know what I mean? Honestly, like, I think that there are a lot of people and, you know, sadly, I think there are people among the Bigfoot community Mm -hmm. as well. And I don't like to gossip or anything like that. But I do think there are people who, you know, are kind of in it to be the one to find Sasquatch. And look, totally. If if I'm the one to discover Sasquatch, of course, I'm going to be proud of myself. It's a huge accomplishment to discover a new species. But at the end of the day, the priority needs to be the species, not exactly. taking credit for discovering it. And so I think that it's it's essential uh, to consider who's going to discover it and who's going to present that to the public. And if the wrong person does, then I want to have some kind of plan set in place to kind of counter that and be like, hey, come over to my website where you can learn about totally. species and, you know, actually take, take initiative to protect it and interact with it in a way that is not going to harm them. So that's so cool. Can you imagine someday if there's like a huge, like Sasquatch preserve in the Pacific Northwest, like that would be wild. That would be wild. The, yeah. The that's foresting, the dream. The, the, f- the foresting companies would probably not be the biggest fan, but hey, they'll get over yeah. it, right? 
I got to say, I told Connor recently, I said, I would love to have a, a Bigfoot sanctuary for baby yes. Bigfoots that are orphaned, right? Because, you know, you see that oh, wow, yeah. chimpanzees and gorillas. And he said, well, Emily, you know, that's a really nice idea until one rips your face off. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, it, they are probably very powerful juveniles. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they aren't into their, their aware of the power they have and right. they could they they could totally do some damage that's for sure right. but oh man that's crazy emily this has been super fun having you on i'm so glad that we were able to uh to connect and to have you uh come on uh finally it's been a long time coming but uh do you mind uh taking a few minutes just going over again like how people can keep up to date with uh with your future work and uh and all that good stuff and please like really take a few minutes to talk about your products please because oh, i didn't you. do it justice so go ahead oh thank you jeremiah um if anybody's interested in my research you can head to the forestfleur.com um f-l-e-u-r like my last name and um anything that you want to learn about Sasquatch is going to be there. And if there's something that's not on my website that you want to learn more about, please feel free to message me on social media or shoot me an email through the website. I'm always open to suggestions and corrections. You know, if somebody sees something that, you know, maybe they can debunk, right? My Sadiba theory, if somebody says, okay, that doesn't make sense for this reason, I'm always willing to update my theories. So I love, I think the most important thing to know about me is that I love to have open conversations with people. So head over to my social medias at the Forest Fleur, have a conversation with me. I answer all my messages. I really interact mm. with my followers. I love awesome. talking to people. Um, I'm not an expert. Nobody's an expert on Bigfoot. So it's important to learn from each other. And yes, if you would like to support my research, you can purchase one of my souvenirs. I have a whole souvenir shop on my website with awesome beanies and uh, charcuterie boards and all kinds of fun things that are Bigfoot themed. Um, and then I also have a field gear line. If you're interested in trying to get out there, do things for yourself. I have a collapsible bucket for plaster casting. I've got evidence flags and tape measures. And so anything you really might need to get out in the field, except for plaster itself. I've really been trying to, <laughs> to get that into my shop, but for weight issues, it's just so yeah, expensive yeah, to ship. Be, mm -hmm. So yeah, if you'd like to support me, every every penny that I make from the products goes right back into my research. Awesome. It pays for me to travel to places like Oregon or um, buy gear like, you know, dash cams and thermals for my research. Boom. There you go. Oh, man. Well said. Well said. Well, I'm excited to hear what comes uh, from you next. I know great things are coming and um, yeah, so much fun. Uh, I'll always be a huge fan uh, of the uh, Forest Floors. But thank you so much for coming on, uh, Emily, and have a uh, great rest of your night. Thank you, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Real quick announcement before we head out. Uh, I've got the opportunity of going on my first Bigfoot expedition at the end of July. Currently, I'm uh, trying to raise money to buy gear for that. If you want to specifically support Bigfoot Society and, uh, you know, as I go into my first Bigfoot expedition, uh, feel free to do that by going over to the Bigfoot Society Etsy page and buying a t-shirt over there. That will help fund my gear for that expedition. Uh, you can also join the uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society. 
forward slash the Bigfoot Society. I'm about to talk to that talk about that again in a few minutes, but uh, that's where you'll be able to see. I'll be putting some interviews uh, from that expedition. Plan is to put some extra content directly from that uh, expedition into the Patreon. So definitely uh, support the podcast through there as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. Please take a few minutes to review the show on iTunes five stars as it does help us get into the eyes and ears of more listeners on iTunes. Uh, That will help us just get bigger and bigger and get even better quality guests for future shows. Uh, Also, if you have any Bigfoot encounters or cryptid encounters, please send your stories and uh, audio and photos, whatever you've got, over to BigfootSociety at gmail.com. If you'd like to become more involved with Bigfoot Society and get some extra content, we do have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of cool things. For example, for $7 a month, you get extra Bigfoot Society content, uh, usually interviews, but other things as well. You get a sweet membership card and a vinyl sticker that I sent to you in the mail. You get access to the Bigfoot Society After Show, which is an extra interview after the main interview with the weekly guest. And usually they are up for uh, Patreon members to be in that extra show segment with them and me. And you get to ask your uh, question live to them and get an answer from the guest, which as you've seen what guests we've had in the past, this could be a really big deal. There's also a private Discord where you can get involved with uh, talking to me one-on-one and the community there, and that's always a great time. You can find the Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. We're very thankful for all our supporters that we have in so many different ways and appreciate uh, all our listeners coming back week after week to listen to more cryptozoology-based interviews. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.